welcome to the edition podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Henry. Of course, this is our weekly discussion about media, tech, and the way they all kind of overlap. We sometimes throw a little bit of digital culture in there as well. And I'm so pleased that one of, look, don't tell anyone else, but this is one of my favourite guests. It's Esther Thorpe from Media Voices. Hello, Esther. How are you? Is that why you've had me twice? <laughs> At least. Exactly. And, you know, being on your show, just, you know, sometimes you've got to show a bit of favouritism. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I am all right. I'm all right. We've got a lot to discuss because we. I wanted to talk about kind of where, as we sort of gradually trundle towards the end of 2022, can you believe, uh, where the newsletter ecosystem is. And then you guys announced you're doing the newsletter publisher awards. You run very successful podcast awards, and now you're going to do the same for newsletters. I want to discuss it more in depth further into the show, but just give me a quick the quick 101 on what these awards are going to be. So it's for publishers of all shapes and sizes, big, small, medium in between, um, who have newsletters. That can be um, anything from if you do sort of, you know, morning brew style roundup newsletters, or if you do sort of really deep dive editorial mm-hmm. pieces. Um, we want to we want to hear about them. We want to see them. We want to celebrate them. Um, yeah. And and we just sort of thought, well, there's, there's so much work and innovation going on in the area in so many ways that they're being used to support and build businesses that we really wanted to, um, yeah, just just celebrate that a bit. Fantastic. Well, as someone who writes a newsletter, I'm very pleased that kind of <laughs> you're you're putting that out there. And I, I what struck me when I heard about you doing these awards is that it shows just how core they have become to media now. They used to be this ephemeral, funny little thing that people did as a bit of an add-on or that automated thing where at the end of the day you've got a few headlines bundled together in your inbox. But they've become really fundamental to the whole digital media ecosystem now. Yeah, and I think that, that's that's definitely been a big change in the last couple of years. And it, it's sort of gone from email was is always very much been seen as like a marketing channel. So you know, you you might do a a weekly or daily roundup of, of the best content on your website. It's but it was very much something to drive people elsewhere. Um, and and I think this has partly been driven by how successful some of the solo newsletters are. But publishers have sort of very much had this switch where they've they've seen them as oh no, they're actually something we could build out as a product in their own right. That, that's not to say there's not value in using them weekly or or however often as a sort of roundup, but it's very much like they can actually be a destination themselves and not just um, a list of links. Yeah, and they can, and you can build now whole media businesses around them. Uh, I think of the Ankler that has built its entire entertainment coverage on Substack, a platform they don't own. <laughs> so, you know, it's a third party platform, and they send out emails, multiple emails from multiple writers using that platform. They build a whole very very valuable uh, media business on there but there are of course you're right to point out the solo creators as well um i was listening to the conversation you had with mark stenberg as part of your kind of look back and media moments conversations that you're having at the moment and there's a couple of things that really struck me from that conversation I, I, i won't relay it i'll leave the link for listeners so people can go and listen to that conversation if they haven't done so already but there was something quite telling that a lot of the biggest names and there were only a few that you came to on that kind of solo creator side of the you know world of Substack and newsletters were men let's be honest yeah. <laughs> um that had come from big brands originally and it, just, it seems they're all doing great work but they had basically brought their audiences with them and that I think is a very big difference to the kind of video creator economy where people kind of come from nowhere and start making things it is a bit different on the newsletter side at the moment, isn't it? 
I wonder if that's something to do with the audience that they're targeting, mm-hmm. because um, obviously it's going to be massively stereotypical now, but a lot of the YouTube and the video creators, their audience are very, very young. You know, they're the, they're the sort of, let's let's bracket it and say 18 to 24 year olds that that watch an awful lot of youtube people like mr beast have, have built up a huge children esther children <laughs> the youth the youth the youth of today <laughs> i'm 30 now i can say that oh my um, god i'm 35 oh sorry <laughs> i'm, I'm having this. i'm having peter back he's older than me he's come, he's come back <laughs> um but yeah you, you i suppose the, the the people the under 30s sort of that that's that generally tends to be where they go. Um, newsletters, this is something that came out of the uh, the Reuters Digital News Report, mm. that newsletters are like an older people thing. Generally, if you're under 35, I think it was the Reuters banding, you're much, much less likely to get them. Yeah. Um, and we like we did have some theories about this. We were like, well, is that because, like, is that just not where younger people are spending their time? Is, is, that, is the inbox somewhere you start to spend more time as you grow up? Or is this a fundamental sort of shift change in that yes young people have email addresses but they will literally use it for like doctor's appointments Mm. you know maybe like rental paperwork and stuff like that and and it's 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 a life admin space not a place that they go to consume content i suppose yeah (laughs) email is the thing they use at work because their company has given them an email address it's not the thing where they get their entertainment or information necessarily i think that's right and i think about how I interact with my friends. The idea I would send my friends an email is frankly bizarre. You Although, know, do you remember like 20 years ago, we all used to like forward emails around? Yeah. And it was like yeah. you couldn't have Facebook and like, you know, your mum would like forward you just this random like email. Oh, th- that's a different thing. <laughs> like, but like in my peer group, there's almost no occasion. I think basically if people are trying to organise, like it's always a WhatsApp group for something. It's quick instagram message whatever and you know as we've as we've just proven i'm at the beginning of that older demographic (laughs) according to reuters thanks guys um so yeah it is interesting but maybe because from a media world your email inbox is a bit more fundamental to you but whether it's your personal email or your work email whatever that is um but yeah it, it has changed how it's become a news source and i think you're right when you said that previously Basically, email was seen as a marketing channel. And basically, if you handed your email address over to a news publication, it was either so you could get in for free. And what that meant normally was that they would then bombard you with upselling emails to try and get you to pay. Basically, yeah. Um, And and that's really changed, hasn't it? Because now they're producing, sorry to use this word again, content (laughs) specifically for, for email. Yeah, I think it was Brian Morris who wrote uh, in his new, in the ironic in his newsletter a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. about how um, it's it's a little bit like magazines used to be, where you pick it up and everything you want is sort of in that bundle, and mm-hmm. that email has almost email newsletters almost become sort of the new digital magazines because where else can you go on the internet to have everything sort of in one place and you can scroll through maybe get like your recipe your your, um recipe newsletter your daily news your you know might have sort of beauty tips or lifestyle Mm. tips or or the sort of collections of things like that Um, tv reviews yeah what's on this weekend that's the sort of thing facebook perhaps once was and social media had that promise that it once would be is that a destination you could go and get all that stuff and now that's just like an algorithmic fire hose of goodness knows what and the inbox is now 
a place that is very very selective about people like people select what they want to get into their inbox they don't always read it but (laughs) don't always read it although you know they never they never read magazines either they didn't read every page of every magazine every time they picked it up absolutely and plenty of people took out with good intentions magazine subscriptions and missed a few and whatever else uh, but I, I like that comparison of kind of the newsletter as the modern magazine. And I, I think also, uh, I mean, newsletters, particularly if you look at the Substack world, let's go back to that, do see it as kind of a combination between a column and a magazine, don't they? Depending slightly on the emphasis, either it's one writer giving you their uh, opinion from up high, sometimes they're curated, you know, stories and links the way you guys do it, media voices. And sometimes it's a combination of two, and that that works really well. But it does have that kind of, particularly now that the designs are getting a bit nicer, it does have that magazine-y feel. Yeah, Substack sort of almost seems to have morphed a bit into medium. If you look at some of the things it's launched this year, it's gone from being oh, like... Oh, goodness, that's terrifying. <laughs> I know. It's gone from being a platform to send a newsletter to... Because they, they launched their own app this year where you can mm-hmm. sort of read all of your um, newsletters in one place. And it's like, well, literally what makes that different from Medium where you can now go and read all your stuff in one place and send emails yeah, from Yeah, or a blog so. RSS reader. And they said that themselves when they were... They sort of made yeah. a joke, didn't they, when they launched the app, oh, we're bringing the RSS reader back. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, that's fine. But also, I think it's easy when we have these conversations, actually, to be sidetracked by Substack. Because, look, I use Substack. I'm trying to build at least, in, you know, part of the edition on Substack. Um, I look, recently launched a blog as well to try and complement it. So there's things I think, types of stories, uh, types of content that I think work better on different types of platforms. Some things work really well as a newsletter. Some things are a bit quick and I just want to put it up on the website quickly and share it with people on social media, whatever. And I think having a bit of a balance to that is good. You know, you don't know, there's something quite intimate about sending something to someone's inbox. I think those of us that do it have to consider that very carefully. And so sometimes, and also there, and you discussed this and I thought I was really pleased you did in your conversation with Mark, the kind of SEO issues around newsletters, which still haven't been solved yet, you know, Okay, I have a you know a few thousand Twitter followers, and they can discover my newsletter. Maybe someone like you will include a link and a bit of well, you know, word of mouth or whatever. But it's quite hard to get discovered. And in some ways, the lack of SEO on newsletters is a good thing because you don't just have that churning kind of. You don't have that incentive. You're not incentivized to write. But at the same time, like there's there's some brilliant, brilliant pieces Mm -hmm. that that I've seen come out from from all sorts of solo newsletter writers that once they've gone out that's it like that's the shelf life yeah you um, can tweet it a few times yeah. and that's kind of it <laughs> um and i think that's, I that's been the difference with with having it on a blog or on a website is you, you know you do get a bit of that search traffic you do get people that are interested in it coming back to it or you know discovering it for the first time whereas i don't i don't think it's the sort of behavior that people necessarily go to a writer and maybe go through their archive in quite mm. the same way no um, i don't I, I don't think that is what's happening at the moment i you know sometimes i do it perhaps if I do the seven-day free trial of for someone I'm interested in, Substack, I'll read a few different things during that trial. But I, again, I don't think I'm a particularly normal user no. of that <laughs> or any other platform, frankly. Um, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Facebook earlier. They obviously had the bulletin newsletter function, which sort of disappeared. Didn't um, even last a year, did it? Didn't last a year. You guys are using Review. Elon Musk has turned up <laughs> at Twitter. Now, in all the kind of... I think slightly overhyped conversations about free speech and Donald Trump and whatever else. There are 
real product issues to be dealt with at Twitter. One of them is review, which is the product you guys use. Yeah, although, again, this is one of the things that is, it's a benefit at the moment of email newsletters. And we have discussed this. If Elon Musk completely bugs up review, what do we do? We can just download all of our email subscribers mm. and go to, you know, Substack. We go to Mailchimp. There's also there's options, um, and that's that's something that you know, if if you've built a huge audience on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or wherever, you can't download your subscribers and take them elsewhere in quite the same way. You're kind of resorting to begging them to follow you on another platform, yes. yeah. um, and and that that is always the comfort is that it doesn't matter what Substack do or what review does or or anything else. You can you own that audience. Yes, and Substack. I mean, I I haven't used review, but I know from Substack they make a really big point of making it you know pretty easy to say this is your audience. You can take them. We hope you stay, but you can leave. Now, of course, as with any of these platforms, they anyone can change that. You know, they can change their rules and their functionality. But so far, you're absolutely right. They've all been pretty good at letting you move across, and you know, you can go from Substack to Ghost, from Ghost to the you know whatever, and people the people can, will follow you, can follow you without them really knowing you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in theory, you could change providers multiple times and they shouldn't ever like, they, apart from perhaps a logo in your inbox, they shouldn't actually notice. Right. Exactly. Which I think is a huge deal, actually, and a huge advantage of newslet- the newsletter ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend a large part of this conversation kind of talking, it's partly because it's what I'm interested in for obvious reasons, <laughs> on the kind of smaller side of the newsletter creator economy. But, of course, all the big boys are getting involved now. This is obviously the moment where we, customer moment where we have to. We're obligated to mention Semaphore. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Ben Smith and Justin Smith's new product, which has a lot of newsletters coming out. I subscribe to them. Um, How are you finding them? Because I've, I've very much remained like, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to keep it all at arm's length. I probably should have a professional interest, but I just don't want to get into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm intrigued, but I want to dig into it a bit more. I think, obviously, like all these things, it takes a bit of time to get into their groove. But, you know, they're obviously hoping the flagship morning email, which is made in London, where, you, where, where I am, you're a slightly different part of the UK, um, is, you know, going to be core way of bringing people in. I have to say, I find from all these brands, I find it hard to make get a real um uh, habit i should say of reading them every single day i i find it but maybe that's just the way i consume things you know there are some that i really like i really like digging you know browsing through morning brew or you guys or front office sports so there's lots that i get it's quite a big commitment though to read all the things you get from these big brands every day isn't it yeah so that's where again i'm me personally i'm a bit more I'm not a normal person by any means and um, <laughs> actually all the newsletters I get in my inbox are like media related so I don't sure. actually get like sort of news news that way mm-hmm. just because you know my inbox would, would die but I suppose it's this is that thing that you would normal people sort of have 15 20 daily newsletters in their inbox or would they actually say do you know what? I like the Washington Post I'm going to get their newsletter yeah. I like um you know the Times I'm going to get their newsletter and just be much more selective about yeah. it and that, I that I read the Times red box every morning yeah, kind of that thing. I think is one area again it's it's been a shift in the last couple of years where publishers have, have realized they don't have to just have one email newsletter with millions of subscribers that deals with everything they can actually get quite niche and quite targeted and segment them off I, I know sort of during the COVID crisis there were quite a few publishers that launched coronavirus newsletters I definitely to... did not subscribe to any <laughs> single one of them nor did I and, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's a horrendous I suppose... thing to inflict on people 
if if you if you were desperate to keep up to date, and yeah, there was probably a time I was sitting on the on the BBC live feed for days at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it's the it's the inbox version of that, isn't it? That that I guess so. you can launch things quite quickly. Um, you know, they don't have to run forever; they can just run for quite a limited period of time. Um, I know there's some publishers doing sort of World Cup newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what are some of the big events of this year? Yeah, <laughs> how is it? How is it? Yeah, well, it's going to be November by the time this goes out, isn't it? Gosh. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there'll be you know football World Cup ones. There's you oh know, election newsletters. That was the election one. newsletters. For both I was, US. Yeah, I was thinking kind of po- general weekly politics newsletters, often related to podcasts. I'm thinking of uh, Chris Hope at the Telegraph, but there are others. Um, you know, they all you know lots of the publishers now have a tech po- uh, tech pub, uh, newsletter, a politics one. You know, a few maybe a daily roundup one. You know, Allegra Stratton once she'd left government is went over to Bloomberg runs their daily rundown. That's actually a very good one over at Bloomberg mm. that kind of breaks down the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's quite interesting. I think there's a bit of obsession from big media consumers about uh, publishers, even about being their first thing in the morning. Yes. Actually, sometimes I quite like a breakdown at the, I was going to say I like a breakdown at the end of the day. That's a little bit closer to the truth than, the, <laughs> than quite what I meant, but you know, something summarizing the day. Um, I also find is a very useful email product because you can't keep up with everything that's gone on in a day. And something that kind of bullet points it and summarises it can be a really useful product from a big publisher. But this is going back to this sort of edition-based, like you're coming back to a newspaper. But you know, you, we used to call them newspapers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you used to sit, certainly I used to get a tube in the morning, you used to read Metro in the morning, and evening yeah, that would summarise the, the yeah, evening sound on the way home. And, and that's where I think it was really interesting. Um, it was interesting you mentioned a minute ago as well about podcasts because I think the the product development and the way that they're thought about is actually quite closely mirrored the journey podcasts have gone on. In that again, you know, you don't have the Times podcast, you don't have the Telegraph podcast, you don't have the Washington Post podcast. They're going and they're launching very around very specific topics. And yeah, brands saying, within brands, isn't it? Yeah, we can, we can build up. We can build up these verticals and we can build up, you know, and they don't have to be massive, massive audiences. But if they are small, loyal audiences of people that open that newsletter every day, listen to that podcast every day, there is such value there. I mean, ends up being advertisers, doesn't it? But there's such value there for advertisers, I suppose, to reach those yeah. people. Yeah, well, and that helps bring useful uh, news views to to listeners or readers as well. Do you think as we sort of head into 2023, we're going to see more of the big publishers add more newsletters bring in more writers specifically to focus on newsletters or do you think they're going to finally get to actually get to a point where maybe they're cannibalizing their own audience and you know people are not heading to the live news in the Dell pick reading stories that they're getting driven to from social media they're just waiting for an email oh oh that's a good question um i don't know i think it's sort of it will depend on what sort of publisher you are i know like mm. It's sometimes quite difficult to equate news publishers and then, you know, I suppose sort of the more magazine-y type yeah. publishers and the indie publishers and you know, people, uh, some of the solo creators who don't necessarily do news, they do opinion. And I'd say it's, it's quite difficult to draw generalisations across them. I think people will get to the point maybe that the newsletter fanatics will hit their limit of new de- newsletters mm-hmm. they, they can subscribe to. But I don't think that means that there's not opportunities. I think that's where they will say, do you know what? I've had this newsletter that covers too much stuff. I'm only interested in 20% of it. I'll go and find something that it's dives a- really deep into that 20%. Yeah. So there's always, always, always opportunity in the niche. I think that's right. And I actually wanted to pick up on what you just said about solo creators doing opinion. Cause I think that's been one of the, 
you know, the big publishers can do news because that's what they do and they are used to, you know, they have the resources in-house to produce news and it doesn't really matter how they send, whether they send it out an email, put it on a website, print it on news, on newsprint. It doesn't really matter. They have those resources in-house. Obviously, and you know, I'm talking from personal experience here again, it's quite hard sitting on your own to produce news. You know, I try and put original stuff in the edition. Um, Casey Newton, who's one of the huge sub stackers, talks a lot about both doing analy- analysis that kind of summarises other people's work, but also trying to break stories themselves. Well, he's hired somebody and cut the number of times he publishes down. Right. Hasn't he? So. Yeah. It, but part of that is an attempt to make sure there's original stuff there. It's not just kind of regurgitating other people's stories. Um, but it, it is hard in that newsletter ecosystem to produce original stories, and let, even if you're a very big name like someone like Casey Newton. And I think maybe it's, and that's why I say also a lot of the newsletters feel like columns because that's kind of where people have defaulted to. I think writing part opinion. This, part of this comes back to that that sort of fleeting nature of newsletters though is that most publishers websites they're reliant about 60 percent on seo and search traffic mm-hmm. and yeah that's how they build their audience that's how they get new subscribers without that it is it is a really slow uphill battle and it, it it's why i think probably it's the right move for you to make sure there is some blog content and make sure that there is something people can go to to discover your newsletter because otherwise it's just yeah it's a very very difficult and long road ahead yeah and also you know bu- building up a whole ecosystem i think is important unless you're one of the big names and again if you're a news publisher a traditional news publisher who also does newsletters you have a bit more capacity to include original news and use other news to divert people to your newsletter products and so on yeah and of course all of this we've sort of got through a lot quite quickly and of course uh, this must all be the reasons why you were so interested in doing an awards for newsletters and really focusing on the people who are working on them because they've become such a big part of the media industry now yeah i think it, again it's that um we've seen we've seen quite recently that there's a lot more thought a lot more care gone into the crafting of newsletters they're not just let's shove out a list of our weekly links mm. um i mean there's there's a fair few places you know the guardian's gone and hired like newsletter editors um most of the major publishers now have at least a head of newsletters if not a, a, a team of them um and it just I'm not, you know, writers <laughs> specifically to write newsletters, yeah. not to do anything for the main. I was going to say the main product, but just to produce these newsletters daily, yeah. weekly, whatever. Which is really interesting. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got um, small publishers, solo creators who are, and yeah, our, our awards are open to solo creators. You've got a sort of a publishing brand. Um, you've got people like that that are, the newsletter is their product. So we, yeah, we were sort of looking at this and we were thinking, well, it, it is literally it is is mirroring the journey of podcasts so much and we want to really have an opportunity i, th- I think there are, there are plenty of awards ceremonies out there that might have a best newsletter category but we kind of wanted to segment it a bit more because it's comparing apples and oranges otherwise and there are a lot of newsletters there like, there's a huge range of different types of newsletters um you know we produce a, a sort of daily roundup of links with um i suppose uh, <laughs> witty commentary on it it's definitely your personal take we Our can decide take, if, it? <laughs> we can decide if it's witty depending on who's writing it each day oh okay uh chris and peter i'm not endorsing this <laughs> but yeah yeah you've got that kind of thing and and we can't compare that with the type of work that say you do in writing really quite deep pieces of analysis in one category so we really want to break that down we want to sort of yeah give an opportunity to shout out to people who 
who are doing some brilliant work and hopefully help discovery as well because you know if somebody's doing a brilliant newsletter it's like the podcast we want to say you know listen to this tune into this sign up for that so like get this in your inbox um yeah and it it, it sounds really like it is, it is super super niche but I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to really have some fun in sort of collecting entries for that and mm. um i mean the, the other the other thing and this this is really important for our podcast and newsletter awards is that it's not just about having an award tonight you know sell loads of tickets make loads of sponsorship money great um we do i mean always so, want have to a nice that. have a nice <laughs> evening sounds fun to me yeah, some money yeah. sounds good to me <laughs> um, we do always want to make sure we're feeding that back because it's really important that we share the lessons of the winners and you know people are winning for a reason right so we want to sort of do a bit of a dive into why they've won what went into that how can everybody else improve mm-hmm. um you know for some people that might just uh, that might just be i mean goodness knows double checking getting a proofreader what else all right <laughs> but, no no, no not, not you not there. you there are, there are definitely there are definitely some solo creators that like need an editor. <laughs> but yeah it's, it's about it's about celebrating that work and i suppose just providing some inspiration for other people as well yeah i mean certainly when you look through the cat the winners and also runners up frankly of your podcast awards it sort of can feel the great it can sort of feel a bit intimidating in some ways because it's really the great and the good of media but you do try and highlight the the smaller brands and people putting their work in as well don't you i know that's i mean just having spoken to you off air and whatever it i know that's very important yeah. to the three of you um and actually the you know we've had like last year it was a solo it was a solo guy simon brew from film stories who won the best entertainment podcast he beat some of the major production houses in the u.s um you know Reby media another example they've entered every year um and the last two years they've they've pretty much swept the board with everything they entered they are a tiny tiny company but their work is absolutely superb it's been amazing to see it get better year on year they always ask for judges feedback and they always say what can we do Nice. And they take it on board. And that's that's been really lovely to be like a part of that. Mm. And so we really want to bring that to newsletters as well. And, you know, if if people have got a desire to improve, we, we, we yeah, hopefully we'll have lots of judges feedback to help them do that. That's um, it, it's a kind of a huge commitment on the part of you guys as well. And you, know, you were being a bit <laughs> self-deprecated. We were saying, oh, we just put on an evening and have, you know, some nice drinks and get some sponsorship money. But that's really not quite what goes into it like judging podcasts judging newsletters is it is a bit of a slog hopefully newsletters will be a bit less time consuming than podcasts <laughs> but no um i mean this is it's because the announcement to do this has come much later than we'd like we've been talking about this for probably about a year and a half two years right. um and it got to stage i just said look i can't because I, I i do a lot of the logistics and you know menus and tickets i can't do that for something else like it just this takes up most of my year the podcast awards mm. Um, but we've got kind of a blueprint for it now and we've got, you know, we've got a venue that works, we've got a ticketing system, we've got website, we've got all the structural stuff set up. It just needs somebody to kind of sit in the car and drive it. Um, so yeah, we're working with Joe Cummings, who's going to be, um, driving it for us, you know, doing the judges recruitment, the admin bits around, you know, forms and, um, marketing and, and all that sort of stuff that, that drives it forward. But we're kind of hoping it's it's a nice template we've got. We can just sort of cookie cutter what we've done with the podcast awards and just say, let's do the same thing for newsletters. Mm-hmm. And that will apply to a summit. We want to do a summit in 2024 as well. So again, that's all about feeding back learnings and, and helping everybody get better. Yeah. And it's also quite nice, actually, I think, if you're 
doing things as like a podcast and a cu- there's just a couple of you behind the podcast or is you writing a newsletter by yourself or whatever. It's quite nice feeling part of something bigger as well. And, yeah. and the awards you guys put on and the summits you guys put on do help facilitate that as well. I hope so. I mean, we've got that problem that, you know, a lot of small businesses have is that there's three of us, two of us are freelance, one of us is full-time at another company. Like it's very much still a part-time thing we do. Um, and there's so much we would like to do, but we just don't have the resource. I'm sure that's a feeling you understand. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Well, I, I think, look, it's, it's a bit cliched, isn't it, to say that newsletters are kind of the story of, I mean, pick a year, 2020, 2021, 2022. <laughs> I think some, just to sort of round out a conversation, I do think something has fundamentally shifted mm. in the last six months to a year, whereby with the big publishers kind of it's not just people leaving them to go to Substack we've seen examples of people leaving Substack to go back to big publishers we've seen uh you know we've seen more and more email newsletter products coming from those publishers that they're you know they're taking it increasingly seriously and I that to me feels like a much more recent phenomenon like something that's changed in the last few months and therefore it sort of made sense to me when I saw you were doing these awards that it was kind of happening now the moment kind of felt right yeah and you know, it's, it's actually surprising given given how old email is as a format mm-hmm. there's there's been like virtually no innovation in the space in like what 30 years um and I think Substack is probably the biggest disruptor in the space and even then they haven't done anything particularly exciting other than just launch a really basic platform that you can't screw up almost <laughs> can't screw up <laughs> almost can't screw up like you know you don't need to sort of do some of the marketing platforms are incredibly complicated to put all the bits yeah. and pieces in and yeah it's all the traffic you don't have or it's not it is you know it's not like building a wordpress site or something yeah and i suppose it's, it's again it's that shift from um from marketing to an editorial platform and that's that's what's really come to the fore but i i think the natural next step of that will be looking at better monetization, looking at audience growth. I know Substack again are, are getting quite good at recommendation sort of engines, but you know, imagine if imagine if Substack launched like an ad platform, like the power yeah. that you could put in that. And and again, this is this is sort of where podcasts were like six, seven years ago. Yeah, and you guys also made the point in that conversation of that actually perhaps we're slightly behind here in the UK than they are in the US, hmm. particularly when it comes to the solo ride side. So that's going to be another thing that will be really interesting to watch, maybe from your first award ceremony as you, I don't want to give you a panic attack, but you are going to have to do this for a few years now. <laughs> um, so, you know, as time goes on, it'll be very interesting to see the different types of people applying, winning, yeah. you know, how that scene in the UK grows as well. Yeah, I mean, I know Nick Newman was quite sceptical in the report that the US sort of substack phenomenon would happen in the UK. But I actually, I really hope it's not just men as well. I'm <laughs> trying. I, think, I'm I know, I know. But I, I, I think there's this was a just one of those things that um, I, don't, I don't even know why it is. Is it just that they sort of felt more confident being able to sort of... I, I know when we we spoke to people, um, we did like a big special episode on this um, in 2020, just after like everybody, it felt like everybody was leaving. And a couple of them just said, well, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, my wife sort of got a stable job or, you know, we've got, on, I, I'm not the one paying our mortgage or there are a couple that were like, got no family commitment. So now's the time. Um, and I don't know if just in general, women have sort of 
a bit less risk averse in that sense. So I mean, the fact, most... the fact you're doing it, I'm super excited about. <laughs> but they're like, I, I don't know if many other women that are doing it at all. And I, I really sort of want to find the ones that are. Yeah. Um, I, well, I always try and put female voices forward on this podcast. So yeah, definitely. We, uh, we'll definitely end on that moment of girl power, I think. <laughs> but Esther, where can people keep up with you? Um, those others that you, you know, tolerate and support <sighs> through? Um, well, if you're on Twitter, as long as Twitter's not like a sort of burning hell's game, <laughs> which you know, we might have days or weeks left of that. Um, I'm at Esther Keziah T. Uh, actually, mm, I'm trying to think where. Where isn't like burning at the moment? Substack. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice over there. Um, so we do a new, we do a daily newsletter yeah. with Media Voices on review, but you can find that on our website voices.media. There's a little box that pops up that says yeah, I, and if you look in the uh, new show notes, I'm yeah. linked to that conversation we referred to with Mark and yeah. generally Media Voices and your announcement of the new awards. And then if review goes up in flames, I guess I guess it's the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, Media Voices course. podcast. Head over to that. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts, um, and you can get this show wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, and if you, you are listening to it in a, you know, Apple podcast, Spotify, whatever, please do share and leave reviews. It helps other people find me. If you're listening on Substack, well, you can stay there on Substack. Thank you for finding me there. But of course, you can add it to your normal podcast list as well. Um, and if you're only listening to the podcast, please do sign up for the newsletter. I try and put things out twice a week and there's all sorts of exciting things going on in the world of media. So do join me at theedition.substack.com. Uh, the blog I mentioned is theedition.net. So all that's going there and everything kind of links to each other. So if you find me in one place, you can't ever escape. Um, but <laughs> Esther, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you guys all the best of luck with uh, these new awards. It's a big undertaking, but I'm really excited someone in the UK is doing it. And my listeners, I'll see you all next week. Thank you.